Amen. You may. Amen. Amen. Well, baby Layla was doing great swinging with our music here. All right. Thank you. Yes. Well, do you want to have a greater future? Do you? Yes, I believe you do. Most of us normal people do, right? And we want to have a greater future as a church as well. And for the last couple of messages, we've been learning how we can have a greater future for us personally and for us as a church. And we've been discovering these truths from kind of earlier on in the Bible, what is known as Numbers chapter 13 and 14. And so if you have a Bible, you'd like to turn there, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, and, and anyway, uh, you'll find it, what is it, I think it's the fourth book in the Bible, isn't it, I think? Anyway, turn to the beginning of the Bible and flip over a few pages and you'll find it, okay? So, this is the period of time when God's people, the Israelites, had been freed from Egyptian slavery. God had called Moses to lead them out of Egyptian slavery. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And now God, God made it possible through a lot of miracles to enable them to leave that place of bondage, and they were getting close to what they called the promised land, the land of Canaan. They were just on the outskirts, and they were about to go in. Then it was decided that they would send 12 spies, 12 explorers or spies, if you want to call them, and they were supposed to go in and kind of get a better feel for the land and check it out and give back a report, and uh, out of the 12 who went, there was one person representing each tribe of, uh, of the Israelites. Out of the 12 spies who went, 10 came back with a very negative report. Uh, I mean, they did say that the land was rich and fertile, and it was, there was, it was a land of abundance, but they said, man, they said, we're, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to get slaughtered. We're going to get killed if we go in that land. We're going to get eaten up. And uh, there were only two people, two people who actually went back and gave a good report and said, listen, the land is flowing with milk and honey, and God has told us this is the promised land, and we need to go for it, and let's do it now. But the majority of people... 10 of the 12 gave the negative report, said, no, no, we can't go in. We can't go in. No way, Jose. And the result was they didn't move forward. And from, from this story, we have been learning some important truths that are keys to a greater future. And in the first two messages, I shared with you the following truths, just a little summary. Here, here they are, okay? Number one, we said, uh, cultivate and maintain a we can instead of a we can't attitude. Number two, be careful not to exaggerate our difficulties. Ten of, those, ten of those spies said, 
man, the people living there, they're giants. They're going to wipe us out. They're going to kill us. They're giants, and they, they overdid it. Anyway, number three, let's not underestimate our own abilities. Ten of those 12 spies said, look, the people in that part of the world, uh, well, they're so huge, we're like grasshoppers. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. They were underestimating their own abilities. And they were leaving God out of the picture as well. Number four, be careful not to get discouraged. When the Israelites, as a larger group, heard and discovered that, well, these ten spies are saying we shouldn't go in, they got very discouraged, very upset. And uh, then the next truth is believe in God's promises. Believe in God's promises. And then number six, realize, by the way, in terms of believe in God's promises, God had given them the promise that they were going to receive this land, that they were going to move into it, that it was the land that they were going to settle on. It was the land of Canaan, God's promise to them. But they didn't believe it, not on a large scale. Number six, realize that the ways of the majority may not be the way of God. The majority, 10 of the 12 spies, said, no, we can't move forward. But that wasn't God's way. That wasn't God's will. Only two said, we must go forward. God is with us. God told us it's our promised land. But the majority won out. And I talked last week about how the majority is not always right. There are many things in our lives where the majority say it's okay, but it's not okay. I have a little summary of last Sunday's message in your bulletin, if you want to read it, uh, not during this sermon, but, but after lunch today, okay? All right? Now I want to take you to some more marvelous truths as to uh, how you and I can have a greater future, personally, as a family, and as a church family. So here we go. Another truth, this is part three message. Another truth that we must remember is this. Why don't you read it with me from the big screen. Remember how the Lord has helped you in the past to get you through the present and the future. This truth came to my mind when I read uh, Numbers 14, Verse 11. Why don't you read it out loud with me, okay? You can all read. Read it out loud with me. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them. Now, last week I explained how the word contempt here means the feeling that a person is beneath consideration or worthless. In a sense, in a sense, God said to Moses, how long will these people treat me as if I'm worthless? As if I'm worthless, as if I can't keep my word, as if I can't do anything. Then verse 11 goes on, and God says, will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? See, he's saying, I've done so many miracles for them to get them to this point, 
And are you telling me they won't, they won't even believe that I'm going to help them finish the journey, get to their final destination? What's the matter with these folks? All right? The Israelites were not remembering the, the miraculous ways through which God had helped them in the past. For example, for example, God had sent ten plagues on Egypt to help motivate the government, led by Pharaoh, to let the Israelites leave Egypt. You can read about those plagues. It's sad reading, but it happened. The plagues culminated with the death of the firstborn of all the people and the cattle of Egypt, but Israel was spared. Uh, when the Egyptian pharaoh finally allowed the Israelites to leave Egypt, Exodus 13, verse 21 says, the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed, this allowed them to travel by day or by night. So those were some of the miracles that God performed to help inspire the, the Pharaoh of Egypt to let them go. Then there was also the Red Sea crossing. The Bible says as the Israelites headed for the promised land, they came to the Red Sea. And by this time, the Egyptian Pharaoh had changed his mind about giving freedom to the Israelites, and Pharaoh had sent his armies chasing after God's people to bring them back to Egypt. He had changed his mind. And as the Israelites came to the Red Sea, and as Pharaoh's army was rushing to catch up to them, here's what Exodus, in our Bible, Exodus chapter 14, verses 21, 22, here's, here's what it says. Read it with me out loud from the big screen. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. And then, and then Exodus 14, verse 30, 31 says the following. Read it again with me. This is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Moses. By, by the way, I really want to express appreciation to one of our teens, Haley, who, uh, who did the PowerPoint here for me. Haley, can you just stand? I, I want you to see this young lady here. Haley, she's one of our young teens. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Haley. Thank you. All right. So, so God, God performed a miracle, enabling them to cross the Red Sea. But in addition to that, then there was also the provision of food and water through the desert. As the Israelites continued to, to travel through the desert, God miraculously provided them with the food that they needed, manna and quail, and, and with water. Exodus 16, Exodus 17 tells us about this. God performed a lot of miracles for them. And that's why, that's why 
God says, will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? Like, I've done all this stuff, all these miracles, and they still won't trust me? The Israelites were afraid to move forward into the promised land in part because 10 of the 12 spies said, the majority said, the land will devour anyone who goes to live there. <laughs> now furthermore, the Israelites had forgotten. They had forgotten all about the miracles God had done to bring them to this point in this journey. Why, why do we humans forget so quickly and so easily? What's the matter with you, all you people? <laughs> Including me. <laughs> What's the matter with us? Hey, the experience of the Israelites inspires me to say, friends, remember how the Lord has helped you in the past. Remember how God has helped you in the past to get through the present and the future. So you can be encouraged and, and believe, better believe that he's going to help you to get through the present, whatever obstacle, challenge you're facing in the present and might face in the future. Now, remembering could mean a lot of different things for different people. Uh, for instance, you might remember a time when, when your family member was very sick and God brought healing. Maybe that's one thing you should remember. When I was 16 years old, not too long ago, when I was 16 years old, my mother had to go to the hospital for what was supposed to be a simple operation to remove some varicose veins. She was young, actually, what, just um, 34, I think. She was young, she was young, but for some reason she had these varicose veins that the doctor said should be removed. Now, as it turned out, she went to the hospital. As it turned out, the dye that was used for the operation turned out to be something that mother was totally allergic to. Very allergic. And for about a week, mother was on life supports. She was on life supports. The hospital called in doctors from all across the city, and in fact from the United States as well, because this was so unusual and, and no one knew what to do about it, and they, they said there's nothing we can do. Uh, this is so, so rare, they didn't know. And I remember as a, a young teen, I kept praying, I kept praying for her recovery. And, and in, in about a week, about a week, she finally started to show signs of life coming back, coming back to life. And uh, after the life supports were removed and, and she had recovered, the chief doctor met with our family and... Uh, and said, uh, family, we just have to be honest with you. Family, there was nothing we could do to help her as medical people. The only reason your mother is alive is because God has healed her. Amen. He said, that's the only reason. My friend, you might recall a special healing in your life or in someone in your family or friend. Others of you might recall a, a time when you were desperate, desperate for some money, 
to, uh, to provide food for your family or to pay the rent or pay the mortgage or pay some utility bills. Some of you might remember the time when God saved you from a major car accident. Different times some of you have talked to me about that. Others of you will recall how there was little or no ch chance of getting into college or the college or university you wanted to get into, but you were accepted, you were accepted to the surprise of everyone because of your prayers, the prayer of your parents, your, your grandparents, or your pastors maybe. Someone else might remember the time when the Lord helped you to find just the right job that you were looking for or, or you found just the right husband or, or wife that you were longing for. Amen? And I just want to say to you, remember how the Lord has helped you in the past to get you through the present and the future. And that, my friends, is one of the keys to a greater future for you personally and for you as a family and for us as a church family. But for some reason, it is so easy for us to, as humans to forget how God has helped us in the past. Let's learn from this story in the Bible. All right. There's a second truth that I want to take your minds to now that, that can really help you have a greater future personally and as a family and for us as a church as well. Second truth is this. Take notes because there's going to be a test on this, okay? <laughs> Secondly, choose, choose to compliment people rather than to complain about people. Amen. I'm glad we're all in agreement so far. <laughs> um, we discover this truth, I'm going to get to in a moment here, in Numbers 14, verses 2 through 10, and verse, verses 2 through 4, verse 10. All right, what, what does compliment mean? Well, most of you know, but a simple definition of compliment is a polite expression of praise, of praise or admiration. What is the definition of complain? Well, a lot of us do it enough, we should know. But a definition is this. Express, express dissatisfaction or annoyance about something. All right? Now, the truth, the truth of Choose to compliment people rather than to complain about people uh, came to my mind from the first, well, from verses 2, 3, and 4, where it says the following. I think we maybe have those verses on the screen as well. All right? So, read it out loud with me again. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness. They complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Wouldn't it be better? Notice they complained. They complained. And um, 
It was a serious complaint. It was a serious complaint. A little bit later, they end up saying, uh, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Let's choose. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. So here we find the Israelites complaining to their leaders. In theory, all right, think about this. In theory, they should have gone to their leaders and had said something like, they should have said, hey, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb, thank you. Thank you for the incredible ways in which you and our God led us out of slavery in Egypt. Thank you for the incredible way in which you helped us to cross the Red Sea. Thank you for helping us to survive in the desert with food and water. Thank you. That's what you think they would have said to the leaders. Instead, not only were they complaining to the leaders and about the leaders, look at what verse 10 says. Verse 10 says, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. My friends, whether it's in politics, in companies, in schools, and even in churches, many times people complain about the leader who in many cases has done the most for them and for the organization. And God says, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, when I was thinking about uh, the, the, the point that I just made here uh, about people complaining about leaders, some of you who know history well would be aware of the fact that Sir Winston Churchill, Winston Churchill led Great Britain during World War II. And, uh, and he, is the, he is probably the best well-known Briton of all time. And uh, towards the end of the war there, his, his approval ratings as the leader of the nation, his approval ratings were sky high. I was trying to find it. I read it before, and my memory said that his approval ratings was, were something like 83%. Don't quote me on that, because uh, I'm just going by memory, and I was looking it up and just couldn't find that exact figure. But his approval ratings, uh, because of the great job he did in leading the nation in World War II, was incredible. But that at the very next election, the very next election, he lost. He lost just after the war. Anyway, listen, listen to what God says about complaining. Uh, Philippians 2.14, read it with me. Do everything without complaining and arguing. James 5.9, don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. And then Numbers, Numbers 14, between verses 26 and, and 30, I want, you to, I want you to think about what we're reading here, okay? We're not just reading for the sake of reading, but I want you to capture the truth. Together, read it. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, 
How long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I've heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me, every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. And the result was they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their disobedience. And it was only after that generation all died off that the next generation, those, 20, those under 20 years of age, they were then led by the Lord into the promised land. My friends, sometimes constant complainers end up paying a heavy price. Okay, these people paid a heavy price. They could have entered the promised land with a little bit more faith, a little bit more get up and go, a little more trust in the Lord who had promised them this land. But they said, oh no, no, we can't, we can't move forward. Sometimes complainers end up paying a heavy price and they paid a heavy price for 40 years. All right? That's what happened. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. There are also often serious consequences in modern day life, in your life and mine, for when people, if people are constant complainers. There are consequences. I want you to think with me for a little bit with some of these examples. Sometimes, sometimes if a, if a husband or wife is a constant complainer, one or the other can get to the point where, where he or, sh or she will say after many years, you know what, I don't want to live. I don't want to live with your regular unnecessary complaining. Goodbye. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm fed up. Don't, don't say amen. I don't. Don't. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Uh, if some marriage counseling will be a help, I want to direct you to Reverend uh, Arnie Grace Sandy, okay? Just make sure you pay her. It'll help you to get better real fast. All right? Uh, think about this. In a family, if a teenage son, if a teenage son or daughter is unnecessarily complaining, teens, think about this now. If a teenage son or daughter is unnecessarily complaining about their mother and or father, the parents can get to the point, as I've seen happen, the parents can get to the point of saying, hey, all you do is complain. All you do is complain about the food. You complain about the curfew, the chores we give you to do. Uh, you complain about our efforts to keep you away from bad friends who... who um, who, who will just get you into trouble. All you're doing is complaining. Well, you're 18. Go. Go find a job. Go. Find a basement apartment, apartment for $1,200 a month <laughs> if you can find one. You know, cook for yourself. Do your own laundry. Take the bus instead of borrowing the family car. Then you'll have no complaints. 
I'm waiting for a few more amens there. Right? Or think about this. In a company, in a company, in a work environment, I can assure you a person who is, who is a constant complainer will be the first to lose their job whenever, whenever there is a, a need for someone to go. In a school setting, in a school setting or a church setting, if you are a constant complainer, you will have difficulty making friends and keeping friends, and you will not be trusted. You will not be trusted. My friends, in modern day life, there are often consequences for people who, who are just constant complainers. Now listen, I, I'm well aware that sometimes because of a person complaining about this or that to make things better, it's a whole different story. But when, when someone is a constant complainer, there can be serious consequences of loss. Now I have made this point today because over the years I have observed, stick with me on this, I've observed that although most Canadians are reasonably, I know most people want more of this and more of that, but most Canadians are reasonably well off, yet there is constant complaining. There's constant complaining uh, in government or about the government, constant complaining in communities, in workplaces, in schools, in stores, in neighborhoods, and even in churches. In fact, some people have degrees in complaining. <laughs> some people have bachelor degrees, others have master degrees, some have doctorate degrees, in fact, some have triple doctorate degrees in complaining. All right? Now, I don't know, I don't know if the constant uh, advertising essentially makes people discontented or what, but people seem to be on a roller coaster of complaints, often for no reason, often for no reason. And this applies to Christians just as much. My friends, I want to challenge all of us. I want to challenge all of us to turn our complaints into compliments. Turn your complaints into compliments at home, at school, at work, at the grocery store, at church. You know, uh, sometimes when I'm in the grocery store, sometimes people ahead of me will get upset. They'll get upset with the dear, the dear woman or man who's, you know, who's at the register. They'll get upset because things are a little bit slow. Well, it's not, it's, it's not, the, it's not the person who's working there that's really at fault. Sometimes it's because two or three people in front of them are, 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 are matching, are doing what, the price match? You know, they're doing the price match. I can see that some of you are experts at it. They're doing price matching, right? And, and, and yet people get upset at, at the cashier. Well, don't, you know, don't get upset with them. Instead, instead of balling them out, say, you know what? Thanks for really going as fast as you can with all that you have to do here and all the checking you have to do with those crazy matching, <laughs> whatever you call it, right? 
<clears throat> We're talking about turning our complaints into compliments. This past Friday evening, I was with our youth program, and I gave the devotional before we left the church to take the teens to go-karting and miniature golf. By, by the way, one of our youth leaders, Michael, Michael, where are you, Michael? He, he's our photographer as well. My, my, Michael, he is a real racer. If you really, really want to know how to race go-karts, you ought to talk to this man, okay? But anyway, I gave the devotional before we left the church, you know, to go go-karting and miniature golf. My, my devotional was, was not on the topic of complaining, but but one of the truths I communicated to the youth was this. I said, keep positive. Stay positive. And that included saying nice things to each other, complimenting each other. I asked, I asked the teens to take a, a couple of minutes and just, you know, in our circle there, semicircle, whatever, I said, let's just take a, a few moments here and compliment someone in the group. And so what one teen looked at another teen and, and sincerely said, you know, I, I really like how your hair looks. Another teen pointed to someone else and, and I think they said, you know, I, I really like your coat. That's a beautiful coat. Then someone else complimented another teen and then some more encouraging words were spoken. And the more... The more I heard the wonderful compliments, I felt, the more I felt that, that something was good, something good was happening in the atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? Yes, you do. Turning our complaints into compliments blesses everybody. So this week, this week, number one, remember how the Lord has helped you in the past to get you through the present and the future. And number two, choose to compliment people rather than to complain about people. Amen? Well, the applause suggests you really do agree so I'm going to expect this, right? I'm going to expect us to do it, not to just hear it. Let's stand. Let's stand. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I believe there's some folks here today who are going through some very hard situations Lord, help them, help them to remember how you helped them in the past, to encourage them about whatever it is they're facing in the present and in the future. Help them, Lord, to think upon the, 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 the wonderful ways in which you helped them make it through, through some past heartache, difficulty, uh, loss, whatever it was. And dear God, I pray that you would also help all of us to be men and women and young people who truly compliment people rather than to complain about people. Dear God, 
what, what, whatever it is, I, I don't really fully understand it, but it just seems like in our society, most of us, most of us are better off than probably 95% of the world, and yet, and yet, whether it's in, in government or in business, in schools, in workplaces, in communities, and even in churches, that we hear so much whining, so much whining, and we see how you, dear God, were, became so upset with the complaints and the whining, whining of these Israelites hundreds of years ago. And that's not how you want people to live. But you want us to live in love and to build each other up and compliment one another instead of complain. May you help change our thinking, dear God. Help us to change our thinking. Remind us to take the initiative to compliment instead of complain. Lord, we, we think about how when you came to earth in the person of Jesus, we think of how you complimented people, you encouraged them, you lifted them up, and you did not put them down. And I pray that you would help all of us to be like yourself, Jesus. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.